Are you doing good tonight? Awesome. Um, I want to shout out my friend Jake Schneiderhand. He's a youth pastor in Kent at Faith Church, and he's visiting and hanging out with us tonight because he doesn't like his youth group anymore. I'm just kidding. He loves it, and they just they don't have it on tonight, and so he's visiting. So make sure you go give him a hug, and uh, he's a good friend of mine. And uh, uh, open your Bibles to Psalm 119. Tonight, we're continuing our series called Practice. Everyone say practice. And the whole heart of this series is we're talking about the basic disciplines that we as Christians, as Christ followers, as believers in Jesus, as followers of the way, which is what the New Testament, the people that were around in those days referred to the Jesus followers as the, they, they called them two things. They said they're these followers of the way, and the, who are these people flipping the world upside down? Those were those people. That is who we are. And as people who are Jesus followers, we are followers of the way, there are certain disciplines that we have to keep in order to maintain, and even more than maintain, grow in our faith and in our walk with God, Otherwise, we become become the kind of people who we believe, but we never mature. We never grow, and anything that is not growing is really dying. Because the gap between where God is going and where we are continues to grow because we stop following, we just stay. And the thing that Jesus didn't do is he didn't die and then say, turn me into a statue and stare at me. What he said was, if you want to come after me, you must pick up your cross and what? You, if you want to do this whole Jesus thing, it's not just a believe and sit. It is a believe and now begin to follow. Are you with me tonight? How many of you want to be a successful Christian? You want to follow Jesus good? That's not even proper English, but deal with it. Raise your hand straight up. You want to, you want to look back on the end of your life. And look, survey your whole life. You want to be able to survey your whole life and say, you know what? The delight of my life was following Jesus. I want to, on my deathbed, when at the very end of my life, no matter what has transpired, no matter the people I've lost, no matter the trials that I've encountered, that I can look back from day one all the way until I'm my last breath and say, the delight of my life was following Jesus. Jesus. That's what I want. And that's, I can say that honestly, life has not been easy. It has not just been this kosher thing that is just, it's every day is predictable, quite the opposite. Life is heavy, life is hard, life is not always fun, but as I scope my whole life, the thing that has kept me here, my greatest joy, and the very thing that is, it is the purpose of my life It is following Jesus. There's no greater joy in my life. And I want that to be able to be what we, as every person in here, can say as we survey our entire life, man, my greatest joy was following Jesus. And not only following Jesus, but making him known. And if we want to follow Jesus, you raised your hand earlier, you said, I want to be a Jesus follower, I want to do this thing, I want to go all the way, then we've got to get these disciplines. So we've talked about the discipline of community. Last week we talked about uh, the discipline of prayer. 
And tonight we're going to talk about the practice or the discipline of reading God's word. If you like a really exciting uh, message, uh, tonight, I don't know if it will be, but it will be foundational and essential for us if we want to really do this thing. Um, everyone, how many of you have heard of these journals right here? I, I actually have some. I got about 20 of them sitting on the, the floor right here. And I want to offer to you, if, if any of you does not have one of these journals, to come up and grab one. You can just take it. And this is a great opportunity for you to really take a step forward in your devotions. Raise your hand if you've heard us talk about devotions before. You've heard that word devotions. That's a simple way of saying, I don't know who, who named it. Devos, devotions. Oh, they're going up and grabbing them now. Way to go, guys. You don't need to, do, you, you just do it. All the young guns. I love it. So, I'm, okay, let's, uh, let's, okay, after this last one, no more. Okay, just go grab them. I did not anticipate that, but it's wonderful. You're, uh, there might be one of them that has a name in it. They're all gone, but I got, I got you, Marley. Marley. So, some of them might have been left over. I got like 50 of them in my office, so we're not running out. Don't worry. So, but in, in this journal, that was funny. I didn't anticipate that. That was funny. Um, in these journals, there's a couple things. One is there's, there's a reading plan. And this reading plan is an, an easy way to just begin to follow, a, a way to begin to, 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 to move forward in what it looks like to grow in your faith. The, the way that we grow in our faith is by the consumption of God's word. It's the memorization of God's word. It's about hiding God's word in our hearts so that we don't find ourselves sinning against God, but rather going in the way of God. This is what we want to do. So there's a reading plan in there, and then there's a method. Raise your hand if you've heard us talk about the SOAP method. You've heard us talk about SOAP. SOAP, uh, can anybody tell me what SOAP stands for? Leilani, you got me. That's right. Everyone give it up for Leilani. But if you didn't hear her, she said, we use the SOAP method, and it's, it stands literally for this. It's the simplest way. If you want to grow in your faith, you start reading the Bible with this method. Scripture, you write down one verse. Just one verse from your reading. Wherever you read, you write down one verse. Scripture. You write down, the O is for observation, something that you notice, something that you observe, something that sticks out to you, something that you notice about maybe what the author is intending to, to mean by what they're writing. So an observation, then the application is the A. That simply means, what can I do to apply this to my life? And then the P is for prayer, and you can write it down. I generally don't write down my prayer. I'll just pray it. And this is a great way for you to really get started. The, I, I sat down with a youth pastor my first week moving back from Bible college, and I spent four years in Bible college. I have a lot of head knowledge. Um, I'm very, very smart. And uh, No, but I grew up in church. My dad was a youth pastor for the, the first you know, half of my life so far. And then uh, they planted a church. And so I've grown up in church my whole life. 
I grew up listening to worship music and listening to church sermons and listening to scriptures and memorizing them and getting Bible bucks on Sunday morning so I could buy toys or buy candy. So I know all this stuff, but I spent four years, four years pursuing knowledge and growth in scripture in Bible college, and I came out of that without a personal discipline of reading God's word. Now, I was, I, that was from the time of, that I was 20 to the time I was 24. And I spent four years in Bible college, not regular college. I'm talking Bible college, and in those four years, I never had a consistent devotional life with God. And so after that, I sat down with the youth pastor, and he all but rebuked me, and he challenged me. He said, you need a system. And you need a system, because once you get a system, that will protect you from yourself. So I got a system. He gave me what is called a life journal, which is what we model these journals out of. And I've ever since then, I've used that method. Am I perfect? By no means. But this has revolutionized how I consume God's word. I still, as a 34-year-old man, I use the SOAP method, and it has changed how I read the Bible. So I want to encourage you. If you say, raise your hand again. If you say, I want to be consistent, I want to grow in my faith. Don't go, straight, go, don't go halfway, just say straight up then this is the method. Don't do anything else. You try this method, and I guarantee you, even after a week, you will see your spirit change. You'll see your life change. That's all I have to say about that. I still haven't even read the verse. Ever say practice. There's a myth that, that says, if I'm not growing, it's someone else's fault. It's my parents' fault. How many of you have ever blamed your parents on anything? <laughs> Mom, where did you put my... Used to do that all the time. Now, it, now, once you're married, you just blame it on your wife. And it's still usually not her fault either. But there's a myth that says it's my pastor's fault if I'm not growing spiritually. And I want to challenge you with this. If I leave you with anything, the ball is in your court. The ball is in your court. I have seen, I've seen teenagers, I've seen full-grown adults, I've seen fathers and mothers, I've seen young people, old people. I've seen people in poor spiritual environments have a vibrant spiritual life. And I've seen people in rich spiritual environments have a weak spiritual life. Why? Because the ball is not in your pastor or in your leader's court. The ball is in your court. You, now, I'm not saying that there's not a place to reach out to your leader, to ask them to mentor you. I'm not saying that there's not a place to get fed. You need to be here on Sundays. You need to be getting fed. You need to learn. You need to grow. You can't do this on your own. But at the end of the day, I am not responsible for anybody's spiritual growth except for my own. I have to manage my... If I am sad or I'm worn out or I'm not growing in my faith, I cannot blame the people around me. I have to look inside and say, is there something that I'm missing that is causing me to stay where I'm at rather than to continue to grow? The ball is in your court. Turn your neighbor and say, the ball's in your court. Like imagine, like I, I got, Jude, he's almost 17 months. And uh, so he's not even a year and a half yet old and he he depends on us to feed him but i can guarantee you when he's 14 years old 
when he's 14 years old, I am not going to be sitting him in a high chair. And I will not be giving him spoon-fed uh, bananas or macaroni and cheese. Or be give, I'm not going to be giving him atter, which is short for cracker, which is part of his snack every morning. Atter? Atter? And he wants crackers, which is the apple chips. And he wants those every morning. And he depends on us. But when he's a teenager, he will not be depending on me. He will, if, if he says, Dad, can you get me some crackers and feed them to me? Because I'm hungry. I'll say, shut up. You know where the pantry is. You know where the corn dogs are. You know how to turn on the microwave. You go figure it out yourself. And he'll say, oh, yeah, I'm a human being. I'm competent. I'll figure this out. Why? Because the day will come, the day will come where he's accountable. And you're all of the age of being able to say that it is no longer somebody else's job to feed me. I am now accountable for getting fed. And if you're not getting fed, then maybe you need to change your method. Maybe you need to change something about your lifestyle, your habits. But the ball is in your court. Psalm 119, verse 105. I memorized this as a kid. Amy Grant also had a song. Would you like me to sing it for you? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Thy, uh, key change. welcome. Some of you came tonight. I hope, he, I hope he serenades me. You're welcome. <laughs> but it simply says, this is David, the psalmist, writing to God. And he, or he's writing his feelings. He's like, you know what? God's word, it is a lamp for my feet, and it's a light for my path. I memorized it as a kid, as thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Now, there's two key ideas in this. There's two key ideas because it's this idea of there's a lamp for your feet, but then there's a light for your path. And the lamp for your feet literally means that it's, it's like it's, it reveals where you're at. See, a lamp, the purpose is not necessarily to project ahead of you but it's simply to illuminate and to reveal right where you're at. The lamp's purpose is to reveal where you're at. This is the power of God's word. Some of you, you feel like your current season, where you're at in life, is confusing. This is the reason God gave you his word. To illuminate where you're at. Not just where you've been, not just where you're headed, but to know right where you're at. Scripture talks in the New Testament about this idea of the, the Greek word is the rhema, rhema word. What that word literally means is it means a word for where you're at. 
And what God's word has the power to do is to give you a rhema word, a word for where you're at right now. There's a book I grew up reading. I got it given to me uh, when I was 13 years old. And it's called God's Word for Every Circumstance. Now there's this thing called Google. But there was a, word, there was a scripture for every certain, every issue. Everything that you're struggling, you could look it up, you could find a verse on this. And the point of it was to memorize verses so that when I go through something and I'm struggling or that I'm confused or I'm unsure about what I'm dealing with, that I can go to God's word. And God's word, the purpose of it is to illuminate right where you currently are. How many of you are in a place, even in one little area of your life, that sometimes is difficult? God wants to speak to that. And some of us, you know, it it also has the ability to reveal your sin, to reveal your issues, to point out to you that you kind of suck sometimes and you need God's help because you can't do it by yourself. I love that God's word does that. Like I'll be reading and then I'll be like, shoot, this is stupid. I didn't want to be reminded of the fact that I am not perfect. But it also has the ability to reveal God's love has the ability to reveal your season and illuminate what you can't see on your own. See, some of us, we're so concerned. Like, some of you guys are like, man, I want a girlfriend. I always need a girlfriend. You always need someone on your side because you're so concerned, but you're disregarding your season now. And what ends up happening is you prolong your future seasons because you're negating your current one. Because you don't have a word for where you're at right now. And what you need to do is learn to lean into God's word for now so he can illuminate where you're at now so you can assess where you're at now so that from the place that you're at now, you can begin to move forward. But you cannot move forward if you don't know where you currently are. And some of us, we want to move forward, but we want to ignore where we're at. We want to ignore the fact that we have addictions and we have struggles and we have things that we're unwilling to address or to admit to anybody. So all of the things that are in our current circle of life, we ignore all of it and we want to keep looking ahead. I need a girlfriend. I need a boyfriend. I need to know what my future is. And God's word is for that too. But you can't only get a word for your future and ignore the word for now. God has something he wants to speak to you now to illuminate your now so that it can give perspective to your future. And see, this is the power of God's word. Is it's, a, it's a lamp unto your feet, but guess what? It is also a light unto your path. And this is what I love about God's word, is while he's concerned with you now, he has a great future in mind for you as well. And some of you are so freaked out about your future because you haven't gotten perspective on your current, so you think that your future is somehow limited by what you're dealing with now because your perspective on now is small because you haven't gotten a word for now. Are you tracking with me? So God wants to illuminate your now so that you can get perspective on his faithfulness so that when you look to the future, you don't see it through a lens of darkness but through a lens of God's word and his love for you and his faithfulness and his plan and his purpose for your life. Are you with me tonight? All that to say, God's word is a lamp for your feet and a light for your path. I want to read one other verse out of Psalm 119. It's earlier in the passage. And it says, how can a young man, it's verse 9, Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. 
I seek you with all my heart. Don't let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, God. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I, I recount all of the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your ways as one who rejoices in great witch, riches, not witches. Don't rejoice in witches. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. I have this idea for the next six minutes on this idea of the daily grind. And if you want to write it down, write down the daily grind. How many of you have uh, you've ever neglected something? Ever, anyone ever neglected something? We had some people neglect deodorant and showers at camp. It was tough. You ever, uh, sometimes neglect, Hayden neglects wiping her butt when she poops. Did I need to tell you that? Yes. But I, I remember one time I was in high school. Some of you may have heard this story before. I was in high school. I was in band. Any band geeks? Any band geeks? Thanks, Leah. That's right. I, I was not a band geek. I was just in band because it was easy. I, I'm a drummer. If you didn't know that, I was, I was a drummer for a long time. And, and so I was in band for percussion. And there was this one band, I think it was like band ensemble or whatever, where it was me, my friend Mike, and my friend Zach. And we, we did the xylophone and, the, and the, um, the keys or whatever. So it was like three different tones of xylophones, basically. With the mallets and the, the, the what, what, what's it called, the, the little one that we had? The, the, the glockenspiel. There's a glockenspiel, a xylophone, and then another same thing. And we had this, we had this three-part song that we were doing for a Christmas concert. And if I'm being honest, that 10th grade year, our entire band time because Mr. Poole would leave us by, him, by ourselves. There's a reason he got fired later. That's a different story. But I don't know. So we, we practiced for about five minutes the first day. We're like, we got this. The rest of the time, we played with our tech decks. We played with our finger skateboards. We, I mean, I'm telling you, we made elaborate skate parks in the band room at Tahoma High School. And we made ramps, we played skate, we did all of this. And for about four months, for about four months, we played with our tech decks. And we did not practice this song since the first day, one time. Until the day before the concert. And so we're practicing and I'm kind of winging it. My friends were way better than me and they're like, we got this, it's fine. You can't fail for messing up. You, you can fail for not showing up, but you, can, you can't fail for just not doing, you know, being a good musician. That would be wrong. That would be mean. And so we show up to the concert, and I remember we're playing, and we're, we're about a quarter of the way through the song, and I lost my place, and I forgot. I forgot where we're at in the song. I forgot my part, and my friends are playing it. I'm in the middle. They're on the sides. And they both look at me. They're still playing. And so I start pretending to move my, my hands. And I'm just pretending to hit because I have no freaking clue 
what I'm doing. I don't remember a single lick of the song. I don't remember any of it. And so the whole time we're playing, for the rest of it, it's about a 12-minute long, really long song. And for about the last eight minutes of it, I was pretending to hit the keys. And it sounded so bad. It was so bad. My parents were there. They were so embarrassed. My, my, my band teacher is in the back. He literally threw his hands up, and he just went like this, and he's pacing the whole time in the back, just, just mad at me. Because what had happened is I had neglected. I had neglected my part. And even though we had practiced the first day, memorized it all, we were ready to go, I had neglected my part. See, something happens when you begin to neglect what is yours to do. When you neglect the thing that you need to do, what it says is that you don't think that there's value in practicing. You don't think that there's value in what you're doing. And here's what happens is David, David's saying, he says this in the psalm. He says, where is it, where is it, where is it? Uh, I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. To neglect means this. means to allow something to go unseen or untouched. To allow something to go unseen or untouched. I love this. To allow something to wither and collect dust. To allow something to wither and collect dust. And I think in our day today, if we're being honest as, as Jesus followers, and I'll be the first to raise my hand, there are times where I'll let my Bible collect dust. And I'm not saying you need to use a physical Bible. And I'm not saying, you know, where's your Bible? Is it under, is it under your pillow or is it under your bed? You know, something like that. Like, hey, do you carry your Bible to school? Do people see it in your hand? You know, because you should. You should on national bring your Bible to school day. You need to carry your Bible with you because it's going to tell people, this is who God is. You got a Bible in your hand. I'm not saying that. I don't want to be a prude. I don't want to be weird like that. But what I'm saying is this is a living book. There's good stuff in here, and we ought not to neglect it, but instead lean into it, allow it to pour into us because it can change us from the inside out. Are you with me tonight? So we need the word of God. We, need, we actually need it. Even the New Testament says, man, Jesus said it, man cannot live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. If Jesus said it, if Jesus understood that in order to live and to breathe, that you need the word of God every day, then by all means, we need God's word every day to sustain us. We cannot do this by ourselves. But instead, what we do is we begin to neglect it. We, need, we leave it behind. We let it collect dust. So I want to give us five practical quick steps. We're going to invite the band to come up in about 48 seconds. And we're going to close in a song. But five practical steps. And it's this wonderful acronym that's super easy to remember. And that's BRTFS. Made it up. BRTFS is really not easy to memorize. BRTFS. Write it down. BRTFS. This is going to help you to not neglect God's word. And it is these words. Bible read theme first system. Okay. I'm going to go through them. Number one, B. This is the dumbest point I've ever given, but it's so good. And I'm going to go against what I just said. Number one, 
practical tip for you to not neglect God's word. You ready for it? Listen, listen. Get a Bible and bring it wherever you go. That's it. Next one, okay. Get a Bible. If you don't have one, we do. We'll give it to you. You can keep it. You can graffiti it. You can put stickers on it. You can put a marker on it. You can write your name in it. You can do whatever you want with it. Make it your own. Get a Bible and bring it wherever you go. That's it. There's something, here's, and here's the reason I say this, and I was, I was hesitant to even bring this up because I think it's such a surface point. But some of us, if we're being really, 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 really honest, because I know there's a lot of people in, in their journey of faith tonight, okay? I want to acknowledge that, and there are some people who have grown up in this, and there's some people who don't even, you don't even go to church, you're just here tonight, and I, I love it. But if we're honest, there's a lot of us who are unfamiliar with God. We're unfamiliar with scripture. We're unfamiliar with the things of God, with the ways of God. If someone were to ever ask, I remember talking to someone recently, and I asked them to pray at the beginning of a meeting, and they thought I was asking them to kill someone. Because they're so, and here's the thing. Some of us, it's just, a, it's an unfamiliar, that's fine, it's not, and I'm not judging anybody. You don't have to be the kind of person who wants to pray in front of people to be spiritual. But what I'm saying is some of us, we've gotten so comfortable being just unfamiliar with God and what bringing, getting a Bible, bringing it in your backpack, bringing it to school. I don't mean carrying it outwardly. I don't care what you do, reading it. But what it does is it creates a sense of familiarity. And, and, and just like Hayden's got Hop, her little bunny that she takes everywhere, it's familiar. We notice when it's not there. We probably keep her, Hop with her more than she does now because we notice when Hop is gone. Because there's a, there's, there's a sense that when Hop is there, everything's okay. When Hop is not there, the world might actually fall apart. <laughs> so what we understand is there's this familiarity with it. And what I want us to do is in order for us to grow in our faith, we've got to get familiar with the things of God. Are you tracking with me? I know that's so practical. And you having a Bible in your backpack does not get the word of God in your heart. But it does get you familiar. You know what it does? Number two. Read your Bible. So get a Bible, bring it wherever you go, and number two, read it. That's it. That's all I'm going to say about it. Just read your Bible. You've got the tools. You've got every tool that you need. You've got every tool that you need. I, I, and I wish I would have grown up with this. I wish I would have had this as a teenager. I wish I would have had a journal, a plan, something to keep me going. I didn't, but you do. And there's no longer any excuse. And this is what I want to challenge some of you with. I want to challenge some of you. You don't have an excuse anymore. You can't blame your parents who don't love you or don't follow Jesus. You can't blame your dad who didn't teach you how to be a man. You can't blame somebody else for not walking you through it. Guess what? You have every tool that you need. You have every tool you need. And guess what? The ball's in your court and you're accountable. Some of you, you keep blaming everybody else for why you're staying exactly where you're at. 
and it is time to buck up, stand up, and say, I'm done blaming everyone else. I'm going to take charge of this thing. I'm going to move forward. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm not going to blame anybody else for why it's hard for me. I'm not going to blame my schedule. I'm not going to blame my mom. I'm not going to blame my dad. I'm not going to blame my friends. I'm not going to blame my past. I'm not going to blame some other church. I'm going to blame nobody. Instead, I'm just going to take ownership, and I'm going to say, it is for me now to do. I'm going to lean into God's word. Whatever it takes, I'm going to develop this discipline because I know it has the power to change me from the inside out. That's it. Get a Bible. Bring it with you. Read it. Number three. I know this is practical. Get a theme verse. This is really simple. If you don't have a theme verse, I'll give you one of the best ones. Matthew 6.33. Matthew 6.33. So seek first the kingdom and his righteousness And all of these things will be added unto you. Great theme verse. If you need help finding a theme verse, ask yourself, what are you passionate about? What what has meant something to you? What's been significant in your life that you feel like God would want to speak to? And uh, the beauty that you have now is you can Google it. I, I know that's surface, but Google a verse, write it down, and make that your theme. Go for it. Um. Uh, I'm going to invite the band to come forward because I want to worship and I want to seal this. But number four, the F, is go to the Bible first. And here's what you need to know. And this is, this is another challenge I want to give some of us. The challenge I want to give some of you is you go to your vice, you go to your friends who don't know God's word, you go to people who don't have wisdom for everything that you struggle with and everything that comes up in your world. And and every time that you have something going on, the first thing that you go to is the last thing that you need. And instead of leaning into God's word, it's kind of what we said earlier, the very thing that you need to lean into, you lean away from. And instead of falling on God's word, you fall away from it. So every time you struggle, you run from God, you run from church, you run from the voice of God, you run from the word of God, and you run into your friends who don't have your best at heart, who aren't actually loyal, who don't have any wisdom, and you run toward that. And what it does is it it distances you from the wisdom that God has for you. And so what we need to do is we need to flip the script. When we have something going on in our world, what we don't do is we don't run from God, we run to God. We don't run from our problems, we take our problems to the word of God. Because the word of God has something to say about every circumstance. I'm telling you, I've had a year that has been difficult. I've had death that I've dealt with that is far from me, and I've had death that I've dealt with that is near to me. I've had tiredness, I've had struggle, I've had health stuff, and you name it, there have been things that have happened. And in those times, the temptation is for me to run and just say, you know what, this sucks, it shouldn't be happening to me, and get mad at God. But God is saying, maybe this is your opportunity to lean into me. Because when you're weak, guess what? I'm really strong. You can lean into me. You can run to me. You can hide in me. And when you feel like you've got nothing else to give, 
You can fall, but I'll pick you up. I'm everything that you need. This is what God is saying to every single one of you. He's saying, don't run from me, run to me. Don't avoid my word, lean into it because it's got something to say for you. And so many of us, have we, we've, we've bought into the myth that this is some ancient, weird book that has nothing to say about our culture today. But in the contrary, our culture's got nothing on this. This has everything that we need. This has everything that we need. This has everything that we need, whether it's in our culture, whether it's in your school, whether it's with your family, whatever it is, you've got it right here. This is all you need. You want God to speak? God's word. You, got, you want God to show, you, show up for your life? God's word. You need wisdom to help a friend who's struggling with suicidal thoughts? How many of you have ever, you've ever had a friend struggle with some suicidal thoughts? Wow, guess what? You can't help your friend on your own. You need God's word. You can't help your friend on your own. You need God's word. So many of us, we've been trying to do this on our own strength, but we can't. And God is saying, I didn't leave you empty-handed. I gave you what you needed, but you gotta lean into it. Some of you say, okay, how? The five, the fifth one is the S. It's the system. You gotta have a system. The S could also stand for soap. That's the perfect system. Because when you have a system, a system will protect you from yourself. The reason I struggled in that four years of Bible college is not because I didn't want to read God's word. It's because I didn't have a system. You're only as good as your system. So get a system. Go for it. Lean into it. Amen? I know that's practical. I know that's just like, okay, here's five steps. Um, I got a lot of other thoughts that I could give you. But I really believe that if I could change the scripture, which I can't, because if I do, then there's a chance I'd just die. So you're not supposed to do that. But if I could change the, the vernacular of when scripture says that if you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. How I would maybe say it is if you lean into God, he's gonna lean into you. If you go towards God, he's gonna come towards you. If you feel like you're just done and you've got nothing else to give, all you've got to do is lean in with a trust that God's gonna catch you, that he's got everything that you need and he's never going to leave you hanging. Amen? Would you stand all over this room?